and welcome to the classroom. All right, today we are discussing uh, Percy Jackson, uh, book two, The Sea of Monsters. So, just your initial opinions? Um, okay, uh, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the other one. Uh, pacing was good. It, it just, just something felt off about it. I don't really know what it was. Maybe, maybe I think things felt a little bit uh, sluggish at times, but I, I, I think I overall it was, it was nice. I liked uh, the inclusion of Tyson a lot more. I liked the sort of... <laughs> I guess mini arc that Clarice gets. Uh, right. I thought that was fun. Um, this is also the one of the first ones we don't have a prophecy. Obviously, in the last book, the first book of the series, a prophecy drives the entire plot. Mm-hmm. We don't get that here. Well, we kind of get. We kind of we get, get a little. We get Clarice's, bit of it. Yes. but mm-hmm. eh, you know. Yeah. But all right, let's go ahead and we will kick off like always, just going chapter, but roughly chapter by chapter. Yeah. Somewhat. And just like. Hopping through the plot. So, of course, we kick off with my best friend shops for a wedding dress, um, which is basically Percy is having some dreams about Grover, and he is just obviously in danger, and it just sets weird with Percy. But Percy goes to school anyway. Um, and, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's actually just the chapter. Um, and his mom's like, hi, we can go skating. It'll be okay. <laughs> Um, but then, of course, it rolls into I Play Dodgeball with Cannonballs, um, which just follows Percy at school, at, at his new school. Uh, he's made friends with this homeless kid named Tyson, who the school kind of just took up as, as a, a project. Case, yeah. Um, and this is a very, like, I don't know how to describe Meriwether Prep. It's very much like everybody wears tie-dye, and everybody's just, like, yeah. alternative learning. It's, a, it's like a pseudo-progressive school. Right. They're testing a lot of new learning methods, it seems. Um, but then, of course, uh, some monsters roll in, as they do, and they uh, try to kill Percy, as they do. Um, and then we learn that Tyson can, like, withstand the cannonballs, which is just weird, just enough of weird anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annabeth, out of nowhere, pops in. She's like, all right, let's run. Come on, let's get out of here, um, which puts us into we hail the taxi of internal torment. Um, so Annabeth, Annabeth sort of steals Tyson uh, and Percy away while kind of being like, I don't like Tyson. He, he, he's not very cool. Um, and then, like, just not really giving much reason to Percy for a while. Uh, they're talking about that uh, Camp Half-Blood is probably in danger. They've both been getting uh, dreams about the distress, uh, although Percy's more focused towards Grover. Uh, so they hail a sort of magical taxi run by these three women that – uh, only have one eye between them, uh, and I believe also one tooth between them was something <laughs> Which that they said. a random fact, yes. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of just like, oh, well, we can take you to where you need to go, but we can't tell you what you want. So they're trying to figure out what exactly uh, that means, and they're sort of uh, – person's sort of like holding their eye hostage from them, trying to get the information. They get dropped off at Kent Half-Blood. They say – we can't tell you anymore. We gave, we'll give you these numbers, which turn out to be coordinates. Uh, and then they go, uh-oh, the hill's on fire, basically. And there's monsters everywhere. And so they, they roll in, and we realize um, – so in, in Tyson Plays with Fire, we um, really see that Tyson can withstand anything as the bulls charge after him. And um, we just kind of get a little bit of a battle scene for all the, for all the half-bloods involved. Um, and then we learn that – Talia's tree, the tree that protects the ba- the magical boundaries of Camp Half-Blood, 
has been poisoned and is, you know, obviously getting ready to die. Um, which leaves Zeus mad, which follows into that next chapter, um, which leads to the dismissal of Chiron, which is like, Percy's like, wait, what? Why would we do this? Oh my gosh, no. Um, and it just kind of spirals to, we learn the fact that after even, after Chiron leaves that night at dinner, you know, they're like, well, we have to find something. Oh, yeah, Tyson's a Cyclops, by the way. Um, and, you know, Mr. D is like, well, we have to do something with him. He can, you know, he'll stay at camp, whatever. But he gets claimed by Poseidon. And Percy has a little bit of like a like a little mental crisis, I guess you could say. He's like, oh, no, that's my brother. Oh, Poseidon can't keep it in his pants. Oh, no, Tyson's my brother. And I think that's a, <laughs> that's a cycle yeah. of Percy's thoughts in that chapter. Um, which which kind of falls to the demon pigeons attack. Um, yeah, so Percy's kind of going through this little bit of an arc where he's a little bit embarrassed that Tyson is his brother. Well, he's uh, getting bullied, too. Yeah, and is also getting a little bit bullied because of it. Uh, and he's he's sort of, he's not coming to terms, but he's sort of dealing with this uh, sort of bullying that's getting thrown his way. Uh, meanwhile, they have a new sort of uh, ca- uh, camp counselor slash director. His name was Tenetus. Yeah. Um. Uh, who cannot eat or drink. That's like his one thing. He's kind of persnickety uh, because of that. Uh, and also because of that, he sort of uh, doesn't really care too much about the fate of the camp. So he is able to, uh, so he decides to bring back the chariot races, which had maimed and killed a lot of uh, uh, the campers so far. So they, they're sort of trying to figure out how uh, to get that. They're getting everything ready. Uh, meanwhile, Percy and Annabeth sort of get into a fight. They're going to be on the same chariot team. Uh, but they sort of have a bit of falling out over Tyson, and Tyson, who has been training uh, with the Hephaestus camp for a bit to sort of tinker, decides to join Percy's team, and they get ready to sort of uh, chariot out there. I'm not sure exactly what the chariot cr- out correct there. verbiage there is. Which, of course, in, in the middle of the race is when these, these weird... Uh, I mean, obviously, there are characters from Greek mythology... Um, but they just described as pigeon-looking people kind of swoop down and start trying to attack all of the campers. Um, most of them are freaking out. And Annabeth, of course, you know, Percy's like, Annabeth, how do we kill them? And she's like, uh, uh, music. That's it. Um, and so in the middle of the race, you know, they turn, they run away. But they're running to the big house to get Chiron's kind of music collection. And Clarice is like, ah, look at these wimps running away. Um, she ends up winning. Um so into the next chapter is when they're like, listen, we need a quest. We need to save camp. We need to save Grover. Um, I know what can help. It's the golden fleece. I have the coordinates. Let's do this. And um, the new new camp counselor, he's like, mm, well, I think since Clarice won the race, she should be the one to do the quest. And Percy's like, well, that's crap. So, uh, Yeah. I think, is that when we get Hermes? Is it that yeah. chapter? Yeah. This uh, chapter is where we get Hermes, if you yeah. want to turn to it. Uh, Percy is sort of brooding on the beach. He's like, mm, I didn't get to go on my quest. Uh, and Hermes shows up in jogging clothes and is like, hey, uh, the name's Hermes. Uh, I want you to go and sort of sort this thing out. Like, you're going to escape anyway, so I might as well help you. He gives him a couple things. He gives him, like, Flintstone vitamin gummies of power. He gives him a uh, that, like, bag of wind from SpongeBob. Uh, and one other thing. What is it? The the gummies, the bag of, the canister of wind. 
and what is that? Oh, and then the, uh, and the the final thing that he gets is a sort of duffel bag of just general uh, essentials for the trip, including uh, about three hundred dollars in cash. <laughs> um, however, uh, he's like, "What are you uh, like? Why why are you helping me out?" And he goes, uh, "In in sort of uncertain terms, he goes, I kind of want you to go help Luke and see if you can sort of." bring him back to the side of right. good because I'm sad that he's sort of fallen this way. Uh, so he's like, all right, there is a boat. I'm going to just tell you to use your fun uh, seahorse boys and go to the boat. Uh, and that should take you to uh, at least the general area of where you're headed for the Sea of Monsters. Oh, and by the way, Annabeth and Tyson are on their way. I sent out this random distress call that only the two of them heard. They're here. Yes. So Hermes vanishes. Also, his snakes. His snakes are so cool. Oh, yeah. George and Martha. George and Martha. I love them. Um, they just kind of quit back and forth. Also, rats. It's like yeah. a plot for them, I guess. But um, so Annabeth and Annabeth and Tyson roll up on the beach with Percy, and you know Annabeth's like, "Oh, I promised Chiron that I wouldn't let you run off, but I guess if you're gonna run off, I might as well go with you because that's the easiest way to protect you." Um, so they go. And Percy's like, all right, hey, Dad, so um, can we have some, like, things to make us go through the water? And, t- and you know, Poseidon's like, here's some rainbow horses, uh, hippocampus. Um, and they roll up to the cruise ship that belongs to um, Luke. Uh, we learn that Luke has kind of put everybody in a trance. That's all, I don't know if it's Luke necessarily, but it's the monsters and, like, all the blending of things happening here. Every person on this ship is in a trance. And this just ran with monsters and demigods. And Annabeth is having this epiphany is like, oh, my gosh, here are, you know, I remember uh, Chris at camp. Um, He's on Luke's side now. And we learn that Luke has Kronos just vibing. He's trying to resurrect them. Just sort of in like an an Ark of the Covenant-esque, like, coffin. Yeah. Uh... And, and oh, while they're on the boat, Percy keeps having the dreams of Grover. That's a continuous theme throughout this, is Percy's having these dreams of Grover getting dead. He's not dead yet, but he is running around, and he is almost dead. And um, so they manage to fight off the monsters of Luke after Luke does his villain explaining of, oh, I hate the gods, this is why. Percy's like, but your dad cares about you. And Luke's like, so. Um, and they manage to escape. With the help of Tyson, of course, who just kind of pumbles the weird monster men thingy, the bears. Um, they get on a lifeboat, and they heat on out of there. They get chased by the... They try to talk to Chiron. We have no clue where he's at at this point. He's just vibing, I guess. Um, we learn that Percy can, in fact, just spout off coordinates to wherever they're at. Yeah. He knows. He's just He's got perfect nautical sense, I believe they said. <laughs> yes. Um, and they start to get chased by the Coast Guard. <laughs> Just like, of course. Um, so they run into one of the old camps that, that Percy, or not Percy, shoot, that Annabeth, Talia, and Luke had established when they were on the run uh, when Annabeth was a kid. They roll in there, and he's like, hey, Tyson, go look for, like, some donuts or something. I don't know. And Tyson comes back. He's like, hey, so I found some donuts. <laughs> um, which, of course, introduces this monster donut, which is a it comes back. Is it a it's, recurring thing? Yes, it I is. I thought it was very funny. I'm glad that's... Yes, it comes back. And we learned that it's like, it's based on a Hydra. Every time you cut off a head, there's a new monster donut that <laughs> opens up, which is like, I just imagine like a 7-Eleven sprout. You know how like sheets do that? They like yes. sprout up on every corner. Where did that one come from? Right? It's like the next day and you're like, 
Wait a second. That wasn't the literally wasn't, last night. There wasn't a Chipotle there yesterday. <laughs> but it's just Monster Donut. Um, They managed to lead the Hydra back to the water in which Clarice rolls up in her. In a ship full of dead Confederate soldiers <laughs> like Scooby-Doo Zombie <laughs> Island. <laughs> and... This was a wild one, folks. This one, I was like, I, the chapter's name was We Hitch a Ride with Dead Confederates. And I was like, I have no idea what this means. Is this a Hades thing? But no. Nope. Uh, so Ares sort of, I guess, gets to take a, a price from the winning, the sorry, the from the losing side of any war. Uh, and the price for the Confederates was like just an infantry of, of ships. So Ares lent this to Clarice for her quest. Uh, and she has just been sort of vibing yeah, in the water, sort of just vibing in the seas, bossing around Confederate soldiers, uh, which are not painted in a good light. But, you know, they're Confederates. They're just like, ah, they kept making fun of me because I was from New York. And they kept assuming that Annabeth couldn't do anything because she was a woman and kept getting like holding her hand and guiding her through. Also, I just imagine because even at this point, 12 year old Annabeth would have clocked one oh, of yeah, them. For sure. <laughs> um, but they are like incorporeal, so right. Um, but of course, we get that they are going to the Bermuda Triangle, the Sea of Monsters. This like Greek, you know, the Greek thing is now in the in the Bermuda Triangle, and with Clarice and the ship that's ready to explode, they make their way into the mouth of the Sea of Monsters, mm-hmm. um, in which the when the boat kind of explodes and Tyson goes with it. Percy and Annabeth wash up on this. On like CC's Resort, I believe it's called. CC Spa and Resort, yes. yes. Um, in which it's ran by a daughter of daughter of Hecate um, by the name of Xerxes, which is in Greek mythology, of course. Uh, she runs a spa where the women get treated like, well, they get, you know, they're, they're learning the ways of magic and the men get turned into <laughs> guinea pigs. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought it was a funny joke when they were like, yeah, I used to turn them into regular pigs, but they're so much mess. These ones are easier. I can just throw them in a cage, feed them some celery. They are good for a day. <laughs> I just, and then, of course, we get um, Annabeth being Annabeth was like, wait, what happened to Percy? And, you know, Cece's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Percy who? And Annabeth's like, I swear to God. And she's like, I'm going to give you one minute to figure out your priorities. Either you stay with me or we kill you. And Annabeth went, Okay, she Annabeth rushes over to the little guinea pig cage, and she's like, "All right, which one of you is Percy?" And of course, all of them just start. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite scenes of all Percy Jackson books. Is I'm not a huge fan of this book, but I'm a huge fan of this scene because Annabeth then just takes one of Hermes gummies, and she's like, "All right, try to kill me. Let's go." And Cer- and Cersei's just getting so mad that she can't change Annabeth into anything. Like, Dang it. The vitamins are too strong. She has too many minerals in her body. I can't do anything. Hermes and his jokes. How dare he? Uh, And then a scene that I thought was really funny. She was like, all right, I guess guess I'll just dump them all (laughs) every last. Like, there's only four guinea pigs in there. You didn't need to dump them all. But then all the the guinea pigs turn back into sailors and Percy. And Blackbeard the pirate. Pirate. Yep. Which I thought was fun. Um, Uh, Who is also a half-blood, they said. Yes. And then Percy steals his boat. <laughs> and they uh, continue their way. I'm sure there's going to be no repercussions for literal Blackbeard being uh, reborn in the world. 
I they never come. It never comes never back again. up. Maybe no. she mm-hmm. maybe he just gets killed by uh, Cersei. No, it, it, she's just there. It's it's all good. Um, actually, I, I lie. It doesn't necessarily come back up, but part of it does. Not the Blackbeard thing, but the island. Okay. But way too far away for it to make sense. Fair. Which is a big Rick Rorden specialty. Got it. I'll, uh, I'll lock that away and never, <laughs> never, never remember think about it again. again. Uh, okay, and then of course Annabeth tries to swim home. Um, it's this is one of the most heartbreaking chapters. In yeah, this, book. this one. This one's really sad. To come off of Percy being a guinea pig oh. and then rolling into this. So as they are working their way through um, to head towards towards the coordinates that the Gray Sisters gave them. Um, they approach the Island of the Sirens. And Annabeth's like, listen, I really want to hear them. We'll be in range for them. I'm going to do everything I can. I just want to hear them. Annabeth, of course, the precautions Annabeth takes to not fall into the trap of the Sirens doesn't work. Mm-mm. Uh, Cuts herself out. Right. So she um, she jumps off the boat, starts swimming, or, you know, starts swimming to them. And we get to see what both characters see on the island. And this is where we get their kind of their fatal flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, of course, learn that Annabeth sees her mom and her dad and Luke in a rebuilt Manhattan that she did. Mm-hmm. And she, at the scene of her and Percy just sitting in his little air bubble at the bottom of the, just crying. It's just so just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And not just her mom. It's like it's like not her like family. her stepmom. Her, her like Athena, yeah, specifically. And she gets a little upset that that Percy not upset, but She's, she realizes Percy could see what she had seen. Yeah, like he like when when he touched her, he could see that, and he, he's like pretty quick. And he's like, I gotta tell her because this is gonna be rough if I don't like if I don't like say anything about this. He's like, Hey, I saw what you saw. She gets a little angry for a bit, but sort of it sort of passes. She's like, it's right. okay. And we learn, of course, that her hubris, that her fatal flaw is hubris, which is on brand for Annabeth. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes sense. Um, also, when I, something I find as reading this now at 20 years old that I just always scoff at every time I, like, roll up on it that I thought was the funniest thing when I was a kid is, like, Rick Riordan's little Percy being just a little dumb sometimes. <laughs> She's like, you know, hubris. And he was like, that brown stuff you put on veggie sandwiches? She's like, that's hummus. This is worse. He's like, nothing's worse than hummus. <laughs> And I fully agree. (laughs) I love Percy. Um, But then, of course, they roll on up into the island of the Cyclops. Yeah. And we meet the Sheep of Doom. (laughs) This is also such a good chapter. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's it's very sort of, uh, what's the, like, Monty Python Holy Grail. Yeah. The bunny scene where it's like, oh, it's just a bunch of sheep. And then they mutilate in comedic fashion a deer to straight white bones and it's like oh poor guy <laughs> what a shame like are, horse, are deer close enough to horses that Prissy could speak to him because nope. if so okay nope they just they just go okay time to die um but yeah so they they pull up on uh uh Polyphius's, uh Polythemus yeah they pull up on Polynesian's island <laughs> um and uh, they're they're sort of trying to get it uh, get together. They they know Grover's there. They know the Golden Fleece. The only thing that's going to be able to cure Thalia is going to be there. Uh, and they see uh, the crashed Confederate ship on the island as well. So they know that uh, Clarice, uh, Clarice is going to be there. Um, but they uh, <laughs> so they're sort of all figuring out what's going to go. Uh, and then hear the they hear the voice sort of uh, cutting through of um, uh, of the the Cyclopes there. 
uh, they see they see Clarice has been captured, uh, and Clarice is talking is like, "Hey, uh, that's that's Grover, that's a satyr. Don't you like to eat satyrs?" And he goes, "Oh, uh, didn't realize that. Cool, I'm gonna eat these." And then Grover's like, "Oh, no, 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 I'm gonna stall for time. You want to eat me with mangoes?" So then, as they're going out, uh, the uh, the gang sort of comes back and is trying to uh, unget like uncuts Clarice and is talking with Clarice, and they ask like, "Hey, is Tyson okay?" And she's like. Uh, nobody else survived the thing. It was just me. Uh, and then, which leads into the next chapter, nobody gets the fleece. Right, and then, then there's the play on uh, Greek mythology, and I believe it's Odysseus who uses nobody against Polyphemus oh, in yes, Greek yes, mythology, Odysseus. which is like, obviously, Polyphemus has been blinded. Um, and, the, you know, he's like, ah, I am nobody, so nobody can defeat me. Um, and that's kind of where the the title for the next chapter gets, is nobody gets uh, the fleece, because we see that, Assumedly, Polyphemus has grabbed Annabeth, who is invisible at this point. She's used her little handy-dandy cap. Um, and oh. it's just... Oh, also, Polyphemus is planning on marrying Cl- Clarice now. Mm-hmm. Clarice is like, well, at least I'm not getting dead, I guess. <laughs> um, and as we walk through the chapter, we see... Basically, everybody is just like, okay, we've got to beat him. we get, we mm-hmm. got to beat him, get the fleece, get out. And they, they kind of do that, for the most part. Um, and but Tyson comes back. He's like, you know, hey, we're not all like that. How dare you? Um, and yeah, my brain also stopped. Don't worry. Um, yeah. They they take the the hippocampi This is this is back honestly, to camp. These two chapters are extremely dense. Like a lot happens. Right. Um. You know, th- so they end up going. Um, they end up leaving, and right, yeah, that's it, isn't it? No, uh, no. Yeah, no wait, hold on. So let me just hold on. Let me see. okay. So Annabeth gets captured while she is so, uh, sort of distracting, so right. of course he can free the others. Uh, and then after that, um, in order to distract again, Percy then claims, no, that's not the real nobody. I'm, I'm nobody. Right. Uh, and then he sort of chases them. And once Percy gets cornered, uh, all of a sudden Tyson shows back up, who is uh, unscathed and chucks a rock directly down uh, the, the Cyclops' throat, which <laughs> I thought was very funny. Um, and then this, this sort of battle ensues where uh, neither Percy uh, nor Tyson like, really want to kill uh the, the cyclops here he's uh and but he keeps deceiving them and then keeps like sort of turning it on them every time he like pseudo surrenders uh which just ends with uh he they sort of cl- uh they sort of lead him to believe that he has killed nobody and then he is just celebrating in his home uh as the rest of them escape on the hippocampi um and then which brings us to I go down with the ship um, and yeah, no, that that's where it was. They they escape, they run. That was through that chapter there. Oh, okay. And then we get the surprise at at Miami Beach. I don't um, think did we say the thing about Clarice yet? No, no, we didn't. Okay, that, I think that's I think that's at the end of that chapter. Uh, it's like it's right as they're because they they find the water out while they're riding on the hippocampi, or they find the money rather. So as they're escaping on the hippocampi. Uh, they sort of, uh, Tyson realizes, oh yeah, I, uh, we still have that money, uh, r- but we need to get the fleece home. 
Uh, we only have enough money for one plane ticket, so they all pitch in to buy Clarissa plane ticket since it is her quest, after all, to get the uh, like the fleece home safe and sound so that Thalia, uh, Thalia's tree can be healed. Right. And that's when, in Miami Beach, in the chapter, um, we get a surprise on Miami Beach. Well, they use it to heal Annabeth and then send yeah, sorry, they, off. They, yeah. Yes, they This Annabeth is so slightly scattered. Wounded. Um, and then, of course, this is when we get that... They stumble upon Luke's freaking ship again. Again, um, and then they're uh, and then he, I believe, like sort of brings them aboard uh, and is like, "Hey, listen, uh, I've got you here. I'm gonna win. Give me the fleece." Uh, and then he goes, "Oh, sorry, the fleece isn't actually here." And then he sort of gets angry and is monologuing. Uh, Percy goes, "Oh, hold on, I have an idea." I have one drachma in my pocket, so he flicks it into this is this is actually my favorite scene. In it. He flicks the coin into the water, uh, says a silent prayer uh, to Iris uh, to send an IM back to camp, uh, specifically uh, uh, Mr. D, uh, and basically makes uh, Luke villain explain as hard as he can. It's like. Were you the one that poisoned the tree? Why, yes, I was. Are you evil? Why, yes, I am. <laughs> Are you doing it because of Kronos? Not at all. So it wasn't Chiron's fault? Not at all. I and, did it. Yeah, so they sort of clear that up. He gets angry that he just got outed as sort of Mr. D's like, well, 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 would you look at that? Dinner entertainment. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, and then, of course, for them to get off the boat, uh, is courtesy of the party ponies, yeah. <laughs> the crew of, of other centaurs. The frat boys. The frat boys of centaurs that have rolled up, which turns out that's where Chiron's been this entire time. He's just been lifting it up. Um, and they roll in. They just kind of put the put the fight to 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 Luke and his whole, whole yeah. crew. And they're like, all right, well, we need to get back. Yeah, no, no one side can really like make too much headway, so it's basically a draw as both sides escape away. Right, and but they're like, hey, we need to make it back to camp. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, basic Greek mythology gets explained to Percy in the fact that Chiron is in fact Cronus's son. Mm-hmm. Yet again, Greek mythology, but everybody's yeah. like, oh my gosh, um, which is why they thought Chiron was the one who did all mm-hmm. this. But now that he's been proven innocent, he is uh, reinstated. Right. And they head back to uh, they head back to the uh, main camp, Camp Half Blood, with the magical uh, the magical centaur gallop, I guess. Yeah, the, the magical ability of speed. Yeah, they can they can sort of do a wrinkle in time sort of thing where they they can gallop faster than time allows. Um, he runs it. Percy runs into Hermes again, and he's like, "Listen, I couldn't. There's no saving Luke. I couldn't." And Hermes is like, it's okay. Families are messy, and mortal families are internally messy. And or yeah, and you're like, okay, Hermes, <laughs> all right. And he also, uh, he's like, oh, I also one more task for you. I have delivered a message from your father. And uh, Percy's all excited. He's like, oh, I wonder what it's gonna be. And it opens up, and it just says, uh, brace yourself. Yes. Which is like ominous. You That's don't a speak, rough message, dude. Like, you don't speak to your family, and all you get from your dad is brace yourself. You're like, What's happening? I can get the occasional two text, uh, two word text of like, want dinner? Question mark. <laughs> but like, this is a little vague, even for good old, good, good old, old fatherhood. Poseidon. Oh gosh. But then of course we get the rest of the the chariot, the chariot race round two. Yes. Uh, Percy and Annabeth have team up, teamed up with the help of Grover. Ooh, I love a tournament. 
Would you like to talk about the tournament? <laughs> you look so happy. I loved it. It, it was it was one of those scenes that this is this is why I like. I don't know why I don't like Quidditch because I love tournaments, but like Quidditch never did anything for me. This little uh, race was fun. They get to show off all these cool new gadgets. They get to highlight uh, both Percy and Annabeth's sort of skills. Um, Tyson is like basically their pit master, but has made them a couple cool gadgets. Um, and it's sort of just it's highlighting on what can be done with their combat abilities in sort of a more utility uh, scenario. It's not just pure fighting or like pure smarts. It is a nice con uh, like conglomerate of both. It shows their teamwork. Yeah. Um, they win. Yeah, they win. They pile, th they just plow through the Apollo campers. <laughs> um, but of course then Chiron's waiting there. They're like, hey, so listen, uh, the magic for the fleece worked a little, a little too well. Uh, Cause here's Tali. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's now just like a year ahead of Percy instead of, what should be multiple years ahead of Percy. Mm -hmm. Turns out being a tree has slowed time just a little bit. Yeah. Um, at some point we learned that Percy is a son of the big three or as a child of the big three um, is destined to change the, mm -hmm. change the fate of the gods. As I believe it was uh, one of the, one of the childs of the big three is going to, once they reach 16 is either going to be a great ally to the gods or it's biggest weapon. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Percy had embodied this already. He, he was like, you know what? If it's me, it's me. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And then Talia rolls in. He's like, oh. And we find out that this was, or at least it seems to be Cronus' plan all along. So now he has, if he can't corrupt Percy, which he doesn't think he can, he thinks he might be able to corrupt Talia. Right. And that is where, in fact, the book ends. Yeah. So. So. Uh, <laughs> it, this this one was a lot. Like I said, it, it it felt both fast and slow at the same time, so I can't mm -hmm. really say the pacing was off. It was just different. Right. Um, I I think the best place to start is just if you want to jump into some of the themes. Yeah, I think – I don't know. With with the talk of Kronos believing that he cannot, in fact, corrupt Percy, I think it's a good time to start off with the fatal flaws. Yeah, okay. Um. So, of course, we touched on – we'll just go ahead and hit into Percy's. Of course, we learned that Percy's fatal flaw is loyalty. Mm -hmm. He will do anything and everything to – protect the people he loves to make sure that they are okay um you know classic main character behavior yeah. um and we see that percy's loyalty lies so heavily with camp half-blood mm -hmm. and we see obviously his loyalty to annabeth leads him to almost die <laughs> multiple times his loyalty to grover is what drove the entirety of this quest and then in the last book we see it as much as in his loyalty to his mother specifically and how he is willing to go to the ends of the earth to make sure she's okay mm -hmm. um so, yeah. There's also something that I'd like to touch on on Percy's loyalty uh, uh, with Grover specifically is that this uh, this sort of um, empathy link that they had, mm -hmm. uh, if it meant that if Grover died, Percy would die uh, or at the very least be like fatally wounded. Right. Uh, and once they got back, Grover's like, OK, cool. I can end that now uh, so we don't have to deal with that. But Percy insists no, I'm going to keep that bond. Uh, right. I want to know when you're in trouble. So he is putting his life on the line just to, literally just for the comfort of knowing that Grover is okay. Right. And I think that that shows, like, that is that is basically as fatal flaws you can get for loyalty. <laughs> right. You'll put your, own, you'll put your own life at risk just so you can know if your buddy gets, like, stubs his toe or something. Right. Like, it is, it is a large kind of risk that he took for not much payoff. Right, but to Percy, it's the world. Yeah, to make sure that Grover is okay, mm -hmm. um, and then of course goes into into Annabeth's hubris, um, and 
we'll see that gets Annabeth into trouble a lot more later in the series and later later in not just the series but in the continuation series mm-hmm. we see a lot of a lot of Annabeth's hubris and we see that she thinks that she can do the world she can make the world better than it is her alone and I think it's interesting the people that appear to Annabeth in the Sirens dreams it is her parents specific, like I said, specifically mm-hmm. and like Athena and her father and Luke and it's just, I don't know. It just plays a lot into poor 12-year-old Annabeth's mind. It's yeah. just... She has is, she is built the... She has, as Luke said, built the world from the ground up because she thinks she can do better. Um, and I won't say she can if she can't. She's a smart kid, but she probably can't do it all. And that is that is where it comes down to. She is too confident in herself. Well, and we see Luke trying to play into that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that first altercation that they have, the first time they find the Princess Andromeda, Luke is trying to play heavily into Annabeth's hubris. Mm-hmm. I will let you, it'll be you responsible for rebuilding the world when we destroy it. It is your, by your hand. Mm-hmm. And it just, he knows how to sing Annabeth's song, but luckily, I mean, at least throughout this book that Annabeth has kind of stood her ground on it. So. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to talk about kind of the relationships that flow throughout this piece or throughout this piece, throughout this, this book. Um, and I guess just let's just kick off into Percy and Annabeth's relationship, their friendship they have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Percy is so starkly loyal to Annabeth. Yes, he gets mad at her, but he is still very loyal to her. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes into play a little bit more in the series later on. But we see that Annabeth has a little bit of loyalty to Percy as well. Mm-hmm. She, even though, like I said, even though they get mad at each other, which is a common theme in most friendships, and especially in theirs as the series goes on, Annabeth is ready to break all the rules that she has spent her life following just to make sure that Percy isn't alone on this. Mm-hmm. Um, she she is ready to drop everything. She's like, all right, you know what? Well, I guess. Let's let's go. This is totally not my realm, and I will, not, I will be a... I mean, obviously, I'll be help, but I don't know how much help I can be in this. I don't have time to plan it all out. And Percy's like, well, let's get on these rainbow horses and peace out. <laughs> um, and she also puts herself in so much discomfort to make sure that she's still still with Percy in this. Um, obviously, because we learn a little bit later that Annabeth, the reason Talia ended up having to be turned into a tree is because of a cyclops. Mm-hmm. Which is why Annabeth is so resistant to Tyson the entirety of the... Really, until Tyson gets exploded on yeah. the um, on the Confederate ship. But she puts up with that discomfort just to make sure that she can be there with Percy. Mm-hmm. So I think it says a lot about a lot, a lot about Annabeth's character, despite the fact that pride is her downfall. Mm-hmm. She's still very loyal to the people that give it back to her kind of thing. Yeah. So I guess that kind of plays into hubris, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have any comments about? Um, I don't think really on Annabeth. I think you've kind of you kind of yeah. covered most of it. But I think uh, sort of talking on Tyson, we can sort of jump yeah. into his sort of ties with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we uh, as we already sort of mentioned, at one point, uh, Percy was sort of uh, sort of resisting being like brothers with uh, Tyson, uh, and that's that sort of gets resolved uh, near the end. But it has a bit of a flame up, and something we didn't we didn't really touch on, which is that uh, Tyson says that Poseidon has specifically contacted him and said, "Hey, I want you to come down and learn at these forges in the ocean." Um, and 
Percy is he's happy for him, uh, but he is still a little jealous. He talks about, and I think there is a there is a lot of resistance uh, sort of towards Tyson, and more specifically, uh, like using Tyson f- to get to Poseidon, almost right. And 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 that kind of touches on the other type of relationships we see a lot in this book is just the family dynamic of relationships, um, because like you said, Percy is not he. Obviously, when they are in school together, before he knows that Tyson is his brother, he is not ashamed of Tyson. He's very proud to be friends with Tyson. Mm-hmm. However, when Tyson, when it's announced that Tyson is his brother, Percy is so mad, and I think that's because so much of Percy's identity is tied to being like being the child of the big three. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like you said, I think it's it's truly jealousy. Um, the word is used multiple times throughout the book, not just to describe the stuff that is happening with with Tyson, but also to describe the stuff that's happening between Annabeth and Luke. Um, but Percy gets, and I think that's just the fact, he gets jealous of the fact that he has not heard from Poseidon in so long. And, but at Tyson's first request, things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, I think it also plays in the fact that, you know, Tyson's like, ah, father spoke to me and told me to come work in his forges. And then Percy gets a two letter note yeah. or like a two word note, you know, like I would be mad. And I think that's a pretty common dynamic between siblings, especially in, the scenario that they are stuck in. (laughs) Um, I think it's also uh, a scene that I thought was touching, just sort of involving Tyson, um, was that uh, Percy was going to, like, apologize for sort of being a little bit, uh, like, mean to uh, Tyson at the beginning of camp. Uh, But then Tyson, like, comes clean and was like, "Uh, I'm I'm really glad that uh, Poseidon, like, answered my prayer. Like, I had been praying for a friend, and then the school took me in. Uh, just like just so happened to take me in, and I met you, and now I have actual family. I thought that was really sweet, uh, and I think I do I do enjoy that sort of like thought of like did Poseidon a- like which boy did Poseidon answer like the prayers for? Because uh, either way, um, uh, I, either way he's answered one of them. But yeah. I, I think it's interesting to think about which one he actually like thought that was best to influence and sort of set them on the right. track for. Well, and. And that that'll be a common thread throughout a lot of this is the like the, obviously it plays in a Greek obviously the whole Greek mythology thing as yeah. a whole in where do the gods influence like where does it directed at and we see that more directly in Luke and Hermes um, specifically Hermes approaching Percy and just being like listen just try to help my kid like I don't like mm-hmm. you know I'll help you out but just my main concern is that you would just find a way to bring him back to this side. And obviously Percy's kind of upset at the fact that he obviously he has no grounds to help help Luke. He has no grounds to pull Luke back to his mm-hmm. side. And Luke is obviously already indoctrinated into this this like I I don't even know how to touch this. He he he's sort of he's like ready to fully reform uh like what he believes is the issues in godhood. Uh but the the sad thing is that while he, he may have some solid points against the gods, he is still being manipulated by Kronos, which is the, the father of all of the gods, right. with inherently malicious intent. Like, there would have been a difference, I think, if Luke, as a demigod, was like, you yeah. know what, let's if go! It was, if it was just him on his lonesome, I think he could make some solid points. But he is being puppeteered like behind the scenes by an all-powerful, like, hud, like hunk of... Titan. Me- yeah, Titan... Uh, 
you got this. I'm dead. I'm dead. Uh, an all-powerful titan that is right now just like a couple hunks of meat that is slowly reforming. And he's like, every time somebody joins my side, another hunk of meat gets added to the chest. <gasps> another angel gets its wings. <laughs> I'm just imagining. The image that is going through my head is Luke, but as like one of those like like mass kitchen people and he's just got like a big plot and it's just labeled Kronos and every time like some poor demigod's like I'll side with you he just slops a chunk of Kronos back into the right crate (laughs) totally not what I doubt that's exactly what's happening but that's the imagery um (laughs) and just real quick I want to touch I'll touch on that later never mind um but um, and I guess while we're on the topic of Luke, we see that Luke tries to use relationships to get a ground with a lot of the other characters in the series. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he lo- he tells Percy he's like the gods have already started manipulating you, kid. Like, look, open your eyes. That entire quest last summer was you being manipulated. This now manipulation. Sure, my father sent you. He's manipulating you to get what he wants. And Percy's like, that doesn't matter. Um, and then, of course, we see Luke turn to Annabeth, who he has a longer relationship with, mm-hmm. you know, a closer bond with, and is like, the world could be yours, kid. And then, you know, Annabeth, of course, throws back with, how could you do that? Talia would not agree with this. How dare you go against her memory? And Luke throws it right back at her. We get a lot of development on the bond between those three characters mm-hmm. in this book. For the most part. Um, we get to see a lot of the history of, of Luke and Annabeth and Talia before camp and kind of the the reason that Annabeth, Annabeth was so heartbroken at the fact um, that Luke turned. Yeah. Um, because it's totally not what Talia would have would have wanted. And we get to see a little bit more of that in the next book. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think where I want to go with this discussion around. The th- Luke obviously uses the relationship he has with Annabeth and with uh, with Annabeth through Talia as well to pull Annabeth, try to pull Annabeth his way. Mm-hmm. He is, a w- I, I think it is a nice uh, possibly foil of where Percy uses his relationships to sort of build up his own strength and to like make sure everyone is okay. Um, Luke is using his bonds to sort of like pull people to his side and do his bidding instead of trying to better others. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luke is just one of those characters that makes me beyond frustrated. (laughs) Um, But I think this is a good point to talk about. Um, So obviously I think we'll, we'll see that it's a pretty common thread throughout the rest of these books, that there is one central location that they all kind of, that not obviously not a lot of things happen to, but one, one like location that is just so neat and so cool with the exception of camp half blood, which is, continually throughout all these books last book of course we got the lotus hotel which is just like bonkers anyway <laughs> this one we get Cersei's island which is just whack it's, I don't know. it's fun <laughs> it's a fun time i <laughs> it is first also i just want to make a comment on how just precious poor percy is i gotta find it now but of course we see that this island is all about like making women more powerful just like yeah good message i'm here for it but, like, the whole turning the men into guinea pigs, no matter what they're trying to do, is, you know, a little not for the best. Um, okay, and here it is. So when Annabeth comes into the room, Percy is, like, she was, like, she looked really pretty. Her hair was done. She had makeup on, which is very not Annabeth. Um, if um, And then he has this cute little line where he's, like, I probably would have been tongue-tied if I could have said anything except, read, <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so good. Um... 
he was like, but at the same time, despite how pretty Annabeth looked, there's something wrong here. That's not Annabeth. Oh, gods, help. Um, and then, of course, it, Annabeth's the kind of intuition is like, okay, something's wrong. Where's Percy? And Cersei's like, ah, ha-ha, do not look at the, the cage of guinea pigs behind me. Ah, it's fine. Don't worry about their screaming. <laughs> it's fine. I don't like that as a verb. <laughs> That made me upset. Um, that is one of those scenes if the movies would have done it right, would have probably given you a little bit of a terror. Just oh, Percy gross. turning no, into no. it. The image. I'm imagining the same sort of transformation that Victor Crumb does no. into the shark, but it's Percy into a guinea pig. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. No, definitely. <laughs> you couldn't be a guinea pig. I couldn't look at that scene. <laughs> I like celery enough. I could probably be a guinea pig. <laughs> That's the only logic you need. Celery, lettuce, like, if I had to be, I could deal. <laughs> but I just, Xerxes Island is such a weird, like I said, it's honestly probably one of my favorite locations that we don't really ever see again. Because mm-hmm. um, just, like, the, the mytholo- obviously the mythology tied into it. But also just the, <laughs> just the fact that their logic is, like, pigs were gross, so we went with guinea pigs. Like, okay, Xerxes, calm down, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I referenced the, uh, the movies and I think this is a fun place to kind of talk about adaptation. Mm-hmm. Obviously anybody who knows anything about the Percy Jackson kind of universe knows that the movies suck massively. They're awful. The first movie is not bad. The first movie is a bad ap- adaptation, but it's not a bad movie itself. However, the Sea of Monsters movie is not only a bad adaptation, it is also a very bad movie because mm-hmm. it is trying to recover from what the first one did, and that's a whole different... We'll, we'll touch on that at the end of all this. Um, but there's a couple places that the movie has like funny one-liners. There is a scene um, on, on Luke's ship <laughs> where Percy is walking across the roof trying to be sneaky, and the guy who plays Luke just looks at him and goes, what are you doing? Get off my roof. That's my roof. No. I'm really? serious. Oh, oh, my God. It's so good. That's one of those lines that wasn't in the book that is just so good in the movie. We will have to watch the what movie. What are you doing? Get off my roof. <laughs> it's so good. He's also played by Jake Abel, which okay. is a perfect Luke. It's honestly almost age appropriate for Luke because Luke is like 18 in this book. I also, I just love Jake Abel. That it's so funny. It's so funny. I after after we get done recording, I'll show you the scene. It's so good. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> the first movie also has one of those lines where Chiron hands Percy Riptide, but in pen form, and he's like, "This is a pen. This is a pen." <laughs> Chiron's like, "Uncap it," and Percy's like, "Oh my God, it's not a pen!" <laughs> Just, there's some decent humor sprinkled throughout these trash movies, <laughs> but. Anyhow, with that, I would like to talk about Luke first because we yeah, can go ahead and transfer into characters. And I just, I guess, I mean, you you wanted to talk about Luke as much, uh, if anybody. Uh, yeah, I can talk a little bit more about him. Um, he is a, I as of this point, we only really know for sure Annabeth's uh, fatal flaw. Uh, they they basically come out and say Percy's, but they haven't said it explicitly. Right. Uh, that it's loyalty. Um, I I think that I think that Luke's is. I, I'm not sure what Luke's would be, but I, I, I think that there is sort of a buildup here of showing that he is a flawed character that is using quite a lot of sort of manipulation to just sort of get to his own gains. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of parallels you can pull to Percy because he is his main like point of like anger is that 
his father hasn't uh, sort of just fully neglected him, really. It's sort of like he recycled a quest that uh, not only was just like, somebody's already done this, you're just doing it to try to make me happy, but he also got a major scar from it that is sort of like, uh, like been a whole sort of defining thing for him. And he's gone through all this. And one of his only friends was ripped away because of a war between gods that wasn't even her fault. Right. Um, and it's it's a whole thing where he is constantly trying to prove himself. Uh, and the only person that's giving him time of the day, uh, time of day really, is Kronos. And I think that it is, if he wasn't such like an, a manipulator, I would feel sad for him. And honestly, I still kind of do feel bad for him. Right. Luke is a very complex character mm-hmm. in the fact that that he is obviously... He's obviously a character who's been done wrong mm-hmm. on multiple occasions by the gods, by his by his godly parents specifically. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it's this mm-hmm. the fact that he's very openly manipulating other people, and that comes into play a lot more mm-hmm. the later we get into the series. But we see him trying to do that to a character that he obviously cares for with Annabeth. And it's just like, I don't know. He always... Uh, I have very similar opinions to Luke that I do to like Snape, mm. which is like probably not going to help your perception of these <laughs> of Luke as a character at all. And I'm trying to say this without spoiling it the best of my abilities. But oh, Luke, I think I already see where this Luke is, is just very. Uh, I don't know. He's it's it's gross the way he the way he plays into the manipulation. Thing. That's that's fair. Uh, and I, I think but, that it is. I was going to say I think that there's a lot to be said about like for instance. Percy's also feeling a lot of these sort of things. Right. He, and and I think this is showing uh, sort of the, the different ways that all of this can go and sort of the, the consequences of gods acting the way they do. And sometimes your, like, abuse or neglect could just form something, like, horrible. Like, be, because of the way that Harmony sort of dealed uh, with the situation and everything that sort of happened around him. Luke has turned into this sort of like manipulative and abusing person. Well, yeah, and and at the same time, Luke is being manipulated. Yes, too. he is being manipulated by Kronos. Mm-hmm. He has been manipulated by the gods before, but now he is being manipulated by the Titans, by the Titan yeah. rather. And I guess I hold. I'll, I'll retract what I say, but I do hold more sympathy to him than I do to Snape because this is, he's still a kid. He is eighteen years old in this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, loosely using the phrase there, but he's still too. I just, my heart breaks for Luke because this is obviously a character who has just not seen the best of the world. But at the same, and I also think it's important to note that he is a child of Hermes mm-hmm. because here's this kid who is his entire time at Camp Half-Blood has been, has seen kids go through their entire time there not knowing who's their parent, mm-hmm. but they're still being, you know, put to the weight, like to the weights of the, of the gods. I understand it. I don't excuse it, yeah. but I understand it. So. I, I, I'd also say that his his cabin, because it sort of lets in all these people, he he is sort of, I, I, I would say, overlooked maybe a little bit because he is a genuine child of Hermes, but everyone else always sort of like looks down a little bit on their house because they don't know their parents. And, right. Which infinitely, even though he does know that, it, it instantly puts sort of that same label on him and – yeah, like we like, like we said, we've already touched touched on this, but we we don't agree with what he's done, but right. we can understand a little bit of where, where it it's came coming from, from. At least as of now, like I want to I want to make sure I put a big label <laughs> as of now. If he commits genocide in book four, <laughs> I didn't know about Battle that. Battle of the Lemberth, uh 
Luke rolls up and just <laughs> annihilates some people. Um, um, but but yeah. I, I do like the – I never – I'm going to be honest. In the entire time I've read the series, I have neglected to pull the connections between Luke and Percy. Mm. Which is like dumb on me, but now that you've said it, I like it clicks into place, and I could just like see it in full flesh. So I guess this is time to talk about Percy, because in this book, like you said, we see a lot of him being not angry. Probably isn't the right word. He's definitely upset. He's upset with Poseidon. He's distressed about Grover. He's starting to get this little bit of jealousy when it comes to comes to like stuff around Annabeth, and then stuff with Tyson specifically. Um, you know, the two kind of duality and je- jealousy there. Percy is starting to get a lot of, not negative characteristics, but he's starting to feel a lot of negative emotions that we just haven't seen Percy kind of deal with before this. Um, But at the same time, like you said earlier, we see how Percy handles that. Instead of, you know, being openly mean to Poseidon about, or openly mean to Tyson about the fact that Poseidon is ignoring him, but not Tyson, Percy still puts on the, like, the brave face of, like, pretending to be happy for Tyson. He's like... Oh, I'm so glad for you, buddy. That's awesome. Like, Percy's going to go sit in his cabin alone that next night, stare at the ceiling and go, why won't he talk to me? Mm-hmm. But he's, at the same time, like, Tyson's not going to know that. Or, yeah. you know, he, because like, like I said, Percy uses the term that he gets jealous of kind of the bond that Luke and, and Annabeth have. Mm-hmm. He, he, he is quite jealous throughout this book. But every time he realizes he is being jealous, he, he sort checks of, himself. Yeah, he kind of does what uh, Harry does. And I think it's book six where he's like, I know I'm being jealous. I don't want to be a jerk about it. I'm right. going to sort of turn that off and make sure that I know that this isn't quite like the things aren't quite the same. I shouldn't compare right. myself. Um, Which is like this is a 12 year old being able to like eventually keep himself in check. So like kudos to Percy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I um I just love Percy. Percy's one of my favorite characters. He's, he's, yet again, my heart breaks for Percy because obviously this kid has got, luckily, he's got a very loving mother. His mom cares for him so mm-hmm. much um, that obviously we've seen that not all demigods get. Um, I'm, we see that Annabeth's family is a little more distant. Also, Percy's just such a sweetheart. He keeps this little printed out <laughs> picture of Annabeth in his notebook because yeah, he's like, nice. camp is real. Annabeth is real. Everything is okay. And you're like, oh, Percy, mm-hmm. you're sweetheart. Um, yeah. Somebody who's not a sweetheart. We can talk about Clarice. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I like Clarice, I think, as a character. Last book, I wouldn't have said that. I, she was kind of just a Well, she's a little flat yeah. ca- book, too. She was a little flat. All she kind of was was just, I bully. <laughs> um, this one, though, she, like, uh, it is shown that uh, she is sort of coming to terms with her father was the sort of big betrayer of the last book. Uh, it was the god that was prophesized to sort of, I don't want to say turn, but the, it was doing some some rough stuff. And because of that, there is still this animosity between Clarice and Percy. Um, and But through this, uh, with the new uh, counselor that shows up, uh, she is sort of, she's giving uh, getting a lot of praise. And while she's like happy with that, she's a lot of times uncomfortable. Like for instance, she gets the praise for saving the camp, and she is like, "Oh, actually, Tyson helped with that." But he's just like, "Oh no, no, no! It was all you." Uh, and it, it, she, it shows that she's sort of having conflicting nature with like being this haughty, sort of like glory stealing person, and like trying to be considerate. Um, and I'm not sure if it's all quite building up yet, but she is uh, throughout this. She has sort of shown that she is trying to be better about these things. She is. Uh, there's also a scene. Uh, of her meeting with Ares and sort of getting yelled at. 
that scene makes me so mad. It it continues my hatred I have for Ares in the series. Um, because he goes, well, maybe I should have given it to one of my sons then. And you're like, bro, oh that my god, <laughs> like, that oh, let's necessary. pause your sexism real quick I here, buddy. I know we're on a Confederate ship, but you don't. <laughs> this is not a when in Rome scenario, right? And like he, I don't know. And I think that's why we. I don't know. Ares's interaction with Clarice explains a lot of why Clarice is the way she is. Mm-hmm. She is so starved for glory that when she starts getting it, it kind of goes to her head a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, we see that the reason she's very much like that is because her father is bearing down into her about it. He calls her pathetic to her face. Yet again, this whole, this also adds to that layer of like, man, the gods ain't great. Oh my, You're like, oh wow. Yeah, it's, and I am glad that if they're gonna lay on the hate thick for at least one god, at least it's, it's the god Ares, of war. Yeah, right. at least it's Ares. Like at least like it lines up with most Greek mythology, <laughs> and like Ares is kind of mad. But I mean, that also opens up the duality of war, and yeah. yeah. But it just, I, the like I said, that line, the, the scene from Ares to Clarice that I'm going to take a second to try to find, where, like I said, like, he just straight up calls her pathetic. It's just so, and Percy doesn't see it. He drains it. He doesn't see it in person. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that if Clarice knew he had seen it, she would have beat him to a pulp oh yeah instantly instantly and i think it i mean i think clarice has a traditional like bully you know bully plot line there of like mm-hmm. oh the reason she's so mean is because she is being treated bad at home. she's got daddy issues right um i don't want your excuses is a line from aries to her and and she and says um uh, yes father clarice mumbles um you don't want to see me get mad do you no father no father, Ares mimicked. You're pathetic. I should have let one of my sons take this quest. And she just immediately she goes, I'll succeed. I'll make it better. I promise. Like, I will make you proud. And he was just like, you better. Um, you've asked me for this quest. I answered your, I answered the fact that you asked me for this quest. And if you let that Jackson kid steal it from you. And then that's when the scene kind of folds out through there. Um, and obviously, this also plays into, into Percy's character. Percy, who's like, I just want the best for the camp. He's like, well, but at the same time, I could be the one to take the fleece. Or, hey, Clarice, get on the plane. Take it with you. I can't fly. Annabeth probably shouldn't fly. Here's the fleece. Please go back to camp. Yeah, it speaks on Percy's character. But I just, it, my heart breaks for Clarice. She is, she is my Draco Malfoy of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like, oh, she just deserves so much better than what she kind of gets. Mm-hmm. So. I touched a lot on and the other character we had discussed with Annabeth. Yeah, we we, we I, I laid into Annabeth's character a lot. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is that it's it's exposed the fact that Luke has a spy in the camp. Yes, that comes back later on, of course, um, as the series continues. But the fact that Luke has put his kind of it makes sense that Luke has put his talents into camp. Mm-hmm. He is obviously he was there for so long. But the fact that there's still somebody inside the camp that is on his side that we have not obviously seen missing. <sighs> Maybe just... it'll be Gregory. <laughs> nope. You Nobody, tried. No, <laughs> no you tried. Uh, 
Um, Brett's got this theory that if he just lists off random names, that eventually one of them will be a camper. I, I think I gotta be. I think I gotta be more fancy with it. Maybe. Like, uh, maybe the secret spy will be. Your mind's reeling. I can see. Oh uh, gosh! There, no, the gears turning, but there's just, smoke, just smoke coming out. <laughs> um, with that. Do we want to go to MVP, LVP? I think it's time to. All righty. Um, uh, last time we started with LVP first. Do you want to do that again? Sure. Okay. You, would you like to go first? Uh, I think I, did I go first last time or did you go first last time? I can't remember, but I'll, I'll start it off. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So my LVP for the series is going to... Oh, uh, just for this book. Just yeah, for sorry, this sorry, book. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't get just... dramatic on us. You don't even know the rest of the series. <laughs> um, my, my LVP for this series is probably gonna have to be uh i forget his name now but the coach from the uh first couple chapters oh the coach from the the school um it's like the i can three for pre's real quick pause real quick so we can find the coach nunley yeah coach nunley he's my (laughs) lvp you didn't probably see this one coming nobody did um but he is such an he's such a horrible like like neglectful like coach in this situation not only is originally they're playing an extremely like brutal game of dodgeball uh that has already like nailed the kid as he was going to the bathroom (laughs) making him hit his head on the tile uh and he just goes watch out but then they all turn into like eight foot tall monstrosities hurling bronze like cannonballs at them and then because of the mist, everyone else is seeing like probably something like Molotov cocktails, Percy says. <laughs> he looks up and just sees some like an upper level kid or something like pelting them with like kickballs or something like that. He sees something within the realm of pers- uh, possibility, but still probably something he should stop. And he goes, play nice and then lets this <laughs> all happen. And the only like there is like an explosion nearby. And all he does is he like checks his hearing aid because he's getting interference. He is the most worthless character <laughs> in all of fiction. <laughs> and I will stand by that statement for now. That's fair. Um, Sorry, this is a, this <laughs> is a is, Coach Nunley hate is, account. Coach, Coach Nunley, who never comes back, hate him. He's the worst. He's secretly Kronos. <laughs> Hot take. Hot, no, Brett's got a theory. Hot off the press. Um, my LVP is going to be Ares because he's a sexist pig. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I think I hit on why I hate Ares enough earlier. Just the fact that, that whole scene with him and Clary, screw you, old man. No. Yeah. I don't even get like struck down. But like, <laughs> that's just so, uh, mm-mm, no. You're going to have a parking ticket when you go outside. I'm like, dang it. Um. My car gets exploded. <laughs> <laughs> um. But he just makes me so mad. The entire interaction with Clarice just makes me so furious. Mm-hmm. So, also the fact that his children feel the need to put like freaking landmines around their cabin at camp. Like, yeah, they're. Like, I will give the Aries children credit. They have a flair for the dramatics. Oh yeah, for they're sure. very. Um, but yeah, they were the tech kids. Yeah, no, they were the tech kids in high school that you were like, oh no, that Uh-oh. kid could make a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> That's not just a prop, is it? It's not okay. <laughs> um, with that, we can I think lead into MVPs. MVP. Um, mine is gonna have to be Tyson. Of course, yes. Yeah, I I really like Tyson. Uh, last book, I didn't like Grover as much because he didn't have much character. I I still liked him, but I I didn't think he was uh, he was super great. Uh, Tyson, 
oh, I love this sweet little boy. He, he's he's great. Not only like did he have to deal with a lot, like being like sort of he was raised sort of on the streets by nobody, uh, not nobody, but you, you sorry, you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, uh, but he's sort of neglected by Poseidon for a very long time, uh, until possibly when he answers his prayers and brings him to Percy, um. But when it's uh, and then he's just adopted by the school and instantly bullied by everybody as soon as they find out that he's like his background and that he's a little bit scared or despite his stature, uh, he's just sort of relentlessly like laid into the only person defending him is Percy. Uh, and when he gets to Camp Half-Blood, it's the same thing again. But despite this, uh, possibly just because he doesn't really recognize it as much, uh, he sort of just smiles through it all. Uh, and when he gets claimed, uh, when he gets claimed as Poseidon's son, it's it's no different. Even Percy starts to feel a little, uh, like the sorcerer starts to reel back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I think he's a, I think he's a sweet character. I think I, I like him. I think once again it shows that not every style of learning is for everybody. Right. Like he couldn't he couldn't make it in uh, his. I don't want to say normal school because that's not exactly what the other one uh, was. But it, it just shows that like. His learning and his, like, thing wasn't based on sort of, like, book smarts. It was based on, like, handiwork. Like, he was really good at the trade that he had, which was sort of just, uh, I guess, mechanics is what you'd call it. It's sort of like magical mechanics. But (laughs) it it shows that, like, he has different strengths than other people, and that's okay. And I like that. I I always like when that gets brought up in books. Well, and and I will agree that Tyson is very – because even though Percy kind of has a little bit of, like, anger towards him, mm-hmm. therefore or resentment rather than anger, Tyson still does everything and anything to make sure that Percy's okay. He also, like, man is, he like, the boy is straight up ready to sacrifice himself for a girl that does not care mm-hmm. at all about mm-hmm. his survival. Like, the ship is getting ready to explode, and Clarice is like, well, guess we're all going to die. And Tyson's like, no, 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 yeah. I got this. And He's you're like, like what? goes down there and is like, holding the ship basically together. together. Yeah. Um, I just, I love Tyson. He's a sweetie. Um, my MVP is going to be Percy. I don't remember if I did <laughs> Percy as my MVP last week or not, but it's going to be Percy. Um, just because Percy toes the line of Percy shows that there is a good way. There is a good to the side of what Luke is arguing, you know? And the fact that Percy just, he, he checks, this kid, like I said, he is 12 years old and he is checking himself for his, for his jealousy, for the anger he's feeling, for resentment he's feeling. And like I said earlier, he puts on this face of happiness when, when Tyson tells him about going to join Poseidon and he puts on this brave face when, you know, whatever may be happening. And he doesn't blink an eye to sacrifice himself for his friends to, you know, go off on this quest that isn't his own. If it means saving Grover, um, and in turn saving the camp as well. And I just think that's very, Percy's just mm. the number one MVP in my mind. I just love Percy. Percy's also one of my favorite characters, which is a difference, <laughs> but yeah. So unless you have anything to add, I believe. I do not. I think that wraps up our discussion yeah. on Sea Monsters. So next week we're going to be talking about... Oh, that was a jumble of words. Let's try that again. <laughs> next week we're going to be talking about Titan's Curse, which is my favorite book in the series. Here's another trend. Third book is my favorite. <laughs> um, we'll be discussing Titan's Curse. We get some really fun characters. We get to develop a lot more characters in the next book. It's gonna be, we get to learn like more lore behind the world. Okay. I'm super, I'm super excited. 
Um, so yeah. Forward to it. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you later. See ya. Hey guys, this is technically a spoiler warning for anybody who has not read the Heroes of Olympus series. Um, I have a point that I really want to make, and I think it fits really well in this episode, um, that obviously spoils so much of what's going to happen. So if you're reading along with us, please skip like a minute and a half beyond this message. So another thing I want to add on this, the duality between Luke and Percy is later in the series, um, far later in the series, um, actually in Heroes of Olympus, uh, we get a comment, I want to say House of Hades from Percy. Uh, Percy at that point is the same age Luke is at the beginning of this series, so about 17. And he makes the comments of, he goes, I have been the pawn for the gods for so long. But we continue to see that Percy is willing to, to kind of do what he needs to do to keep the world as it is. Because in his mind, if he goes against the gods, he's the world is going to fall and it goes against what he is as a hero stands for. And I think it shows Percy's loyalty a little bit more to his, to his dad as well. Um, Yeah. Poseidon is not the best most of the time, but also he is willing to throw himself into this, you know, to continue this. And I, I can't, I don't have the book on me and I don't have the comment off the top of my head that he makes, but he just, you know, obviously in at this point in Mark of Athena or in house of Hades, he is, walking through Tartarus like literal hell and just makes the comment you know I understand why Luke felt why he did I just wish he'd went about a different way to discuss it so yeah that's my little addition I guess so listening to The Classroom, a U92 production. Feel free to tune in to our parent station at 91.7 FM of Morgantown, West Virginia. There will be a new episode of The Classroom live on U92 every Friday at 11 a.m. If you're out of our terrestrial reach, feel free to stream U92 at u92themoose.com. Easy enough. On our homepage, not only would you be able to stream new alternative music, but you would also be able to quickly find our podcast and many other great ones produced by some of our friends. Thank you guys so much for listening, and hopefully we'll catch you soon.